Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. Buried deep in the recently passed state budget is a provision that could affect thousands of future teachers and state employees. The budget that became law after the General Assembly override Governor, overrode Governor Cooper's veto eliminates retiree medical benefits for any state employee hired after January 2021. Today on the show, we're going to talk to representatives from two groups who represent state employees and state retirees, as well as two educators about this big change in state benefits. Before we tackle our main topic, we open with our segment we call Headlines, a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. At least five North Carolina public schools will be taken over by charter school operators as part of a new initiative created by the General Assembly. The effort, originally known as the Achievement School District, was recently rebranded as the Innovative School District. Its superintendent, Dr. Eric Hall, presented a rollout plan to the state board last week. The effort has not been without controversy. In Tennessee, that served as the model for the bill, students in achievement schools have not done better academically than students in comparable low-performing schools that weren't taken over. Parents and community leaders in Tennessee also complained about the lack of public engagement, something Dr. Hall says they are focused on doing better here. He will, he will recommend by October which schools to be put in the program. There's some good news for parents whose children are about to start driver's ed. The General Assembly took no action on changes proposed by the North Carolina Senate that would have significantly changed how the program is funded. The proposal would have required families to pay for their, their child's driver's ed up front, an amount that could reach about $400, and then apply for reimbursement of up to $275, but only if the child passed their driver test on the first attempt. In most school systems, parents only pay $60, and the school system covers the rest using state funds. For now, that system remains in place. Just one week after the state's Charter School Advisory Board Chair Alex Quigley was dropped from the, North, from the board by the North Carolina House when they opted not to renominate him, he's back on it thanks to the State Board of Education. The board voted last week to have Alex fill its slot reserved for a charter school advocate. Alex leads the PAVE Charter School in Durham, but he has perhaps ruffled a few feathers during his tenure as chair for an emphasis on quality and accountability over quantity in the rapidly growing charter school sector. Finally, North Carolina is one of 18 states that have filed a lawsuit against Education Secretary Betsy DeVos challenging the department's move last month to freeze new rules for erasing the federal loan debt of students who were cheated by colleges that acted fraudulently. The states say DeVos has sided with for-profit school executives against students and families drowning in unaffordable student loans, while DeVos says the Obama-era process is unfair to students and schools and plans to reconsider the matter from scratch. Remember, you can always visit the Public School Forum website at ncforum.org, click on Education Matters, and read more about each of these headlines as well as the other topics we cover each week. As I said at the top of the show, we're going to talk about the move by the General Assembly to eliminate health benefits for future state employees, and we have two guests that are going to start with our conversation who represent both retirees and state employees overall. We have Artis Watkins. Artis is the Legislative Affairs Director for the State Employees Association of North Carolina, and we have Richard Rogers. Richard is the Executive Director of the North Carolina Retired Governmental Employees Association. Thank you both for being here. Important topic. 
particularly a very important topic for, well, of, of great concern for retirees now and also just future employees. So give us a little bit of the scope of what are we talking about? How many retirees today depend on the state health plan in the state of North Carolina for their health insurance? Yeah, there's uh, nearly 200,000 retirees that are currently on the state health plan. It's 36% of those that all that are engaged in the health plan uh, for all employees and retirees. Uh, it's a very important benefit for retirees uh, and it's something they count on. Uh, they count on a good solid health plan. Uh, they're on fixed income, so it's critically important, and it really does help them in their retirement to have. Right, and now, I mean, and, and, and make sure we're not, at least right now, we're not talking about any changes for current retirees, but the, the, what's in the budget would be for future, for future retirees. It is, and you know, that's, a, that's an issue too, and I think of great concern, especially for those folks that are recruiting and uh, trying to get new employees, teachers and state employees as well into the system. Right, well, and, and Artis, that's sort of a good segue mm -hmm. to you. I mean, Artis, you represent state employees overall, so you uh, actually, in, including retirees, but you have sort of all of our state employees. I think, uh, what is it? Uh, we have 300,000 uh, state employees. Yes. One of the reasons why we have um, this topic on the show today is more than a third of those are educators, uh, classroom That's teachers, right. and really everybody in the school. That's correct. I mean, the recruitment problems across state government, whether it's in an agency, the university system, or anywhere in the school system, are already at critical mass. And this war on public employee benefits is not unique to North Carolina, but certainly this provision is a more extreme version of it than we've seen in many states. Can you, um, either you can jump in, but help me for viewers who are not currently teachers or aren't or state employees, maybe they don't really understand what does the state provide for retirees um, to sort of help um, okay. cover their health costs. Because state employee salaries, whether you're a teacher or anywhere else in state government, are lower than you would make in the private sector, and you know that going in, yep. uh, the reward has always been on the back end where you knew at a minimum, you had your health care covered when you retired, if you had fulfilled your state service. And that's not an unusual benefit. 49 of the states, the Idaho was the only state until now, that didn't give that benefit. But that's what we have right now. So, we, so, we're, so we're, we're trying to join the esteemed ranks of Idaho in terms of what Apparently. we offer for our state employees. Well, I mean, this is yeah. kind of surprising to me, Richard. You, you guys are down there. I know both, uh, Arch, you spend time with the legislature. Yeah. This is a big deal. Right. I, when I first when I when it came out and it kind of seemed like it almost like dribbled out a few days after the budget passed. It, it, I didn't hear much about it. It wasn't covered in the media. I, did I miss something? Was there well, were I, these I big think, public uh, meetings? There there, there weren't many. Uh, there was a bill that this provision was in. Uh, there was a hearing, uh, but no action was taken in the Senate. Uh, the Senate bill budget was in the Senate budget. It passed in the middle of the night. Uh, so there wasn't a whole lot of debate, which goes on for lots of provisions in the budget. There's a lot, uh, and uh, it's of concern. And like you say, it is a major, major issue uh, for all those that are considering employment and working for the state, and, and I think also for those retirees as well. Right, and we're going to talk to a couple educators in a minute, um, Artis, but you and I were talking before we started about just really recruiting em employees to state government in any part of state government sure. is, is, can be challenging, partially because of the, the salaries. We have terrible problems across some sectors in state government, and the most acute problem is in the correctional system. Um, corrections officers, to make $31,000 a year 
and have your life on the line literally every second you're on the job. And we sadly just saw that There's happen. A, yes, we, we just lost one of our members, a correctional officer um, who was killed by an inmate. People aren't going to come to work for a salary that's already substandard with benefits that are increasingly substandard. And it's important to note, across state government, one out of three state employees makes less than $30,000 a year. Wow. And, and I think uh, and we just had a show on last week talking about poverty and issues, and I think the federal poverty level for a family is $28,000 a year. So, okay. yeah, you're talking. And look, I, I don't think, I think anyone who's watching the show, I mean, we've all heard teachers and other state employees say, look, the benefits are great. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. it, is, it is absolutely right. It's a selling it point is. for going into um, uh, state government work, well, teachers or otherwise. Well, I think it is. And I think those that, uh, that stay in uh, and work for the state for a few years really acknowledge and understand the benefit. And it's a terrible thing if the state takes a lead in starting reducing the benefits uh, and health insurance for new hires when all the states around us. Well, why are we? Have it. Why would the General Assembly consider? I mean, is it is the um, is the state health plan in trouble? I mean, is it is it is it? I know there's some un, there are some you hear unfunded liabilities. Basically, we, there are future expenses. We people are living longer. The mm -hmm. medical costs are I, soaring. Yeah, I think it's really caught the attention in the Senate. This unfunded liability of 42 billion billion mm -hmm. in the state health plan, but uh, the, the accounting changes have been made. Uh, they're looking at that unfunded liability. It's a pay-as-you-go system. It has been. The state has always funded the health system, uh, and I think it's a long-term issue that needs to be looked at in the long term. Right. Let me, Ars, let me wrap up because we only have time for another sure. question. Current state employees. I mean, people mm -hmm. may be watching this saying, well, this is for anyone after 2021. I'm already employed. That doesn't mean things couldn't be cut. I've heard from teachers this past week when they heard about our show saying, I'm worried that we're next. Sure, every current state employee should be worried at all times about their benefits because again, this is a nationwide effort to, uh, to take, take down anything that public employees get and somehow vilify them in the eyes of the public as the reason people have to pay taxes they don't, that they think are too high or things like that. Those are almost always very misguided arguments, and and uh, this is one too. This unfunded liability wasn't caused by state employees, and for taxpayers, it's a horrible idea. Right, right. Well, look, I appreciate. It. I'm sure your, um, both of your uh, offices' uh, phones have probably been ringing uh, since the budget passed, and it's four years out. So, I guess if the if the General Assembly wanted to do something to make a change to this, there is time still to do that. We'll be working for that change. All right. Well, thank you both for being thank you. here. When we come back, we're going to be joined by a Charlotte area teacher and the superintendent of Vance County Schools. But before we go to break, see if you can answer this question. How many retirees are covered by the state health plan? We gave you a few hints already. Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you correctly answer D? As of December 31, 2015, the last report, there were 207,884,000 retirees in the state health plan, 36% of total enrollment. 
So we're back to talk more about the elimination of retiree medical benefits, this time where they focus on the impact on education. Uh, joining us are, we have Justin Parmenter. Justin is a teacher in the Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools. It's the Waddell Language Academy, which sounds like a really cool foreign language immersion uh, program in Charlotte. And then we have Dr. Anthony Jackson. Dr. Jackson is the superintendent of Vance County Schools. Now, I'm going to start with you, Justin. Uh, the reason why I reached out to you about the show, you actually uh, had an op-ed that you published in the News and Observer. So, um, let me see, a loss of retiree health care benefit could worsen North Carolina's teacher shortage. So, I guess I'm giving a little bit of a spoiler that we already know how you feel about it. But this was a couple weeks ago. Why did you decide to, you know, step out as a teacher to write a piece like this about retirees and future benefits? Why, is, why do you think this is important? Well, the reason I wrote the article is because I was really dismayed about the lack of conversation there was going on around what to me was a provision that stands to have a really negative impact on our ability to recruit and retain teachers in North Carolina. And I felt that the way that the General Assembly went about this, burying it on page 406 of the budget, um, zero transparency, was, was intended to reduce uh, the chance of having to have a, a difficult conversation. And so I thought I'd do my small part in making sure there was a conversation going on. Right, well, I, I think, did you get some feedback from, um, from teachers and others? I did. Um, teachers, of course, the feedback was, was very positive. Teachers, I think, know, as well as anyone, um, that the most important factor in determining the success of a student is having a good, a good quality teacher in the classroom. Right. Um, so they appreciated it. But from, from non-teachers, the, the, re the response was more mixed. I had um, some people told me they felt that if this benefit is not available in the private sector, then it also shouldn't be, be available in the public sector. Right. They didn't want to talk about the difference in compensation between private and public sectors. Right. But um, one person also told me that, that they felt that um, teachers, when they sign on, aren't looking that far down the road, that they're more concerned about whether or not they'll be able to pay their mortgage, which may be true in some cases, right. but I thought kind of sold the millennials a little bit short. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. Now, Dr. Jackson, um, you have the responsibility as superintendent. Of course, you're responsible for all the children uh, in Vance County Schools, but you've got a lot of hiring to do. Um, and you're dealing with, I think you said before the show, about 20% turnover right now in terms of teachers leaving each year. Do you think something like this is going to have an impact on the challenges you already have? Um, absolutely. I, I think what we have to, I think, go back to is the social contract, I think, that has existed for many, many years uh, between public sector employees and, and the general public. Um, we are challenged regionally because of the competitiveness issue, and this becomes one of the levers in that in that package. Uh, we have to be able to give individuals, they accept a lower salary, understanding that. Coming mm -hmm. in, they, they, ex they accept that. We have to be able to offer them something that talks about if you give over time, here's the benefit at the end that we're going to look out for you. So that social contract is very, very important. And it was, and it was intentional. I mean, this, was, this wasn't something that we did, the state stumbled into. There's a Correct. reason why every other state offers it Correct. and the federal government, same thing. I Correct. mean, it's, you don't get, these are um, in many cases with educators, I mean, like you, I mean, uh, PhDs, uh, advanced degrees, uh, you know, comp that could be more, com more well compensated, let's put it in, in the private sector. And it's something that you say, look, this is a, a calling, but we also make sure we take care of you. Right. Right. Justin, you've seen it in, um, in Charlotte. Uh, we were talking to uh, uh, mm -hmm. Dr. Jackson earlier. He's just a few miles from Virginia. Um, you've seen colleagues um, and, and teachers leave and go to other states over just salary issues that we, we know we've had some issues in North Carolina not being competitive with other states. 
something like this. I think your op-ed made it pretty clear this will be just sort of one more um, challenge for us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right now is it, it's a critical time for us to redouble our, our efforts on recruitment, and there are so many strikes against um, teachers already that, that we just don't need one more thing to, to have teachers consider not coming to North Carolina in the first place. And so, and Dr. Jack, you've been feeling, I know um, you said you've been feeling the turnover, but I guess there's also just the issue of having to deal, like, you've got to fill the slots, right? The, the, the kids are coming. And as public schools, we have to um, uh, teach them. But you've got, you've had to do. Uh, you, we hear these things like full-time subs and things Absolutely. like that, which is we, we, we are using all sorts of new strategies to fill classrooms, from long-term substitutes to uh, uh, international teachers to lateral entry. That process is clogged because we have to use more and more teachers who have not chosen teaching as their primary uh, profession. So those are are, are very real uh, conditions right now. And you couple that with the reduction of uh, individuals going into education now, uh, we see the long-term uh, impact. It, it, we're having right now, it's, it's slowing us down. But when you look down the road, it's, it's going to be uh, a substantial, it will have a substantial impact on our abilities to put a quality teacher in front of every child, which is my primary responsibility. Right. Now, uh, Justin, how long have you been teaching? You're, you teach seventh grade, right? Yes, sir. I just okay. finished my 22nd year. The last 15 of those have been in North Carolina. So you've 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 seen a lot of changes, and you know one of the things that I hear from teachers like you and the teachers that I talk to are these. Uh, is, it, yeah, we've made some progress on salary. I mean, let's be honest, we really have yeah, made yeah. some 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 good progress yeah. on salary the last few years, and I think the General Assembly ought to be uh, recognized for that. But then you got the seem like the other things for the the, the rest of the the rest of the table is being cut out from under you. Whether yeah. it's school resources, uh, um, you know, master's pay. Um, I believe you have are were sort of in that early part of that uh, number of TAs. Have you seen? And do teachers talk about that sort of the lack of sort of support um, outside of pay? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there have been some moves in the right direction, but you know, it, it, things. Overall, things are definitely continue to get worse. I mean, compensation continues to lag behind that of other states. We have other states coming in, holding job fairs in North Carolina to lure our teachers away. I think some numbers that I found from the DPI's annual turnover reports are since 2011, a 168% increase in the number of teachers who are leaving to teach in other states. Mm. And now we have, you know, uh, population that continues to grow 15% just over the last 10 years. We have uh, a continued decline in the number of students who are entering teacher preparation programs. And you know, against all that as a backdrop, now we have Senate Bill 599, which Chad Barefoot introduced, which proposes to allow private for-profit organizations to operate teacher preparation programs in North Carolina, which seems to me to be an acknowledgment that we have a pipeline problem. Right. Well, I think I think we are. I think uh, you've seen it. I mean, we've had enough of y'all guests on, but we um, we are just about out of time. But look, I wanted, like I said, we we know the, um, the the pipeline issues are real. There's not one single answer, um, but I guess you would say something like this is certainly not a step in the right direction. Well. I, I, I think that the pipeline can be addressed, and I think we have to be pretty strategic. Uh, I think we comp compensation is one of the issues. Benefits uh, uh, will be one of those issues, but we also have to look at working conditions and quality of right. life. All of that works together, and if we can right. put together that package, I think we can win. Very good. Thank you both for being here. Great insights. Thanks so much. Thank After you. the break, this week's Leadership Spotlight.
Each week, Education Matters spotlights individuals and programs demonstrating exceptional leadership in education in North Carolina based on nominations from you, our viewers. This week, we spotlight Kirby Jones at the Daniels Center here in Raleigh. Children, especially those that are in fact economically disadvantaged and may have uh, some deficits academically, benefit greatly from high quality out of school programming. And that's one of the things that we provide for them. The Daniel Center for Math and Science has two primary objectives. First, it is to narrow the education gap and to ensure that each one of our children is able to successfully not only graduate from high school, but to ensure that they're able to pursue a post high school education. They will do things like Lego robotics once a week. They will uh, do things like computer coding once a week. We have life skills uh, that we provide for the children. Job shadowing is one of the um, things that we're most excited about where our teens have the opportunity to go and work with engineers and scientists uh, in their environment and see uh, these professionals um, in the real world environment. We fill a gap, we fill a need, we provide high quality education enhancement for students who sometimes uh, greatly need that education uh, enhancement and an extra push, but uh, perhaps their families are not, not able to um, provide it economically. Our effort is to change the default setting for children, children who sometimes may not see themselves as being successful. Uh, our job is to let them know that they are smart, to let them know that they can succeed, to provide them those tools to help them to succeed. The children that we serve are full of potential, full of hope, and full of opportunity. Our job is to make sure that whatever life goals that they have, that we help them get there. If you know someone who deserves to be recognized, visit our website, ncforum.org, click on Education Matters, and you'll find a link to nominate someone in your community. After the break, this week's final word. It's hard to imagine a more personal, a more vital issue to families than health care and health insurance. It's been a dominant issue on the national stage for the last eight years or more, and really longer than that. How is it then that an issue as far-reaching as eliminating medical benefits for retired state employees got such little media coverage during the six-month legislative session? Easy. It was barely discussed. There were no study groups or task forces, no public meetings or input sought from stakeholders like retirees. It came up in one Senate committee hearing in a bill that went nowhere. But there it was in the budget, unveiled 24 hours before the first votes on it, buried on page 406 in the back of the provisions. Now, one possible reason it was handled this way, state legislators brought it up just a few years ago, and the outcry against it was so big, they dropped it. This year, no public discussion, no outcry. The reason we highlighted this issue on Education Matters is simple. Our public school teachers and all school personnel from K-12 through our community colleges and state universities are all state employees. In fact, more than a third of state employees are public school teachers. Yeah. We've talked about our state's crumbling teacher pipeline in previous episodes. Our state university schools of education enrollment is down 30% since 2010. That's the single largest source of teachers for our state's public schools. Our turnover rate now stands at 14%. 
Many counties in rural parts, you heard Dr. Jackson say 20% in Vance County. Some in eastern North Carolina have turnover rates of 35%. Now some of those are transferring to other school systems in North Carolina and some are moving to other states like Virginia, Georgia, South Carolina, Texas that all pay their teachers more than we do. So is this really an ideal time to eliminate a tangible benefit to teachers? Almost every state, in fact all but one, provide retiree health care benefits. Does North Carolina really want to give teachers another reason to look elsewhere? Make no mistake, the state health plan does have a large and growing liability. Medical costs continue to skyrocket and retirees are depending on that health plan for longer and longer. How to meet that obligation requires serious thought and planning and a public discussion of options. That was something sorely missing from this move. That's it for this week's show. Next week, we're going to show an encore episode before we come back the following week to talk about the possible breakup of large school systems, Wake and Charlotte in North Carolina. You'll definitely want to tune in. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you soon.